You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. morning is entitled Jesus at the beach Jesus at the beach and this is from John 21 verses 1 through 14 this is the passage of scripture that the Holy Spirit began to draw me to a couple of weeks ago or about a week ago and it I believe God has something to share with us through it I'm about to read it uh, but before I read that passage, John 21, 1 through 14, the theme is this. Jesus comes into our world to pull us out of our world into his world. Jesus comes into our world to pull us out of our world into his world. And that's the theme this morning. I'm going to pray for the message, and then I'm going to get into this. Father, thank you for your words of life. Thank you for your wisdom, your heavenly wisdom. Lord, our desire is to be disciples of you. That's what this church is all about, Father, that we would be your disciples and that we would make disciples, that we would multiply disciples, Lord. So we're here to learn from you. Speak to us. Speak through me. Have your way. And really get at our hearts that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let's pray with some conviction here. Hands on our hearts. Pray this with me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. Hey, good job, guys. Good job. So John 21, 1 through 14, let me read this to you. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. And so they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, 
that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on them and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish with which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus manifested to the disciples. That Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So let me introduce this some more to you. Jesus wants to be where you are. The disciples are at the beach. They've been fishing all night without success. At daybreak, a mysterious man calls out to them from the shore, children, you haven't caught any fish yet, have you? In, re in response, they acknowledge their poverty, their lack of shalom like we talked about last week. They've been working hard all night. They were doing what they were skilled at, and yet their skills could not help them. God is teaching them another way, the way of Christ's resurrection. Soon they discover that this mysterious man is Jesus. Jesus that just had risen from the dead. They grew familiar with following Jesus in the flesh. But it was time for them to learn how to follow him even if they did not see him or hear an audible voice. Jesus comes into our world of sight and sound so that he can draw us out of our world and into his world, the world of the kingdom. Life in the kingdom is one of shalom. And we learned last week that shalom at its very heart, at its very core, means wholeness, completeness, soundness. It also is often translated as peace. And so when we read peace in Scripture, we should also read and think of wholeness, completeness, and soundness. So life in the kingdom is one of shalom, but only if you walk in a higher way. And so today we're going to be talking about how do you walk in that higher way, and we're going to be looking specifically at the four sayings of Jesus in this passage. But we're going to first start with what Peter said. And the first point is this. Peter said, I am going fishing. You can read it in John 21, 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. These are Peter's words, and when he says them, all the other six disciples join him. They say, we also will come with you. 
And uh, we find that people generally follow one another. Peter says, I'm going to fish, going fishing. They all say, hey, we're going to come with you also. But what comes of their fishing expedition? They catch nothing. Say that with me, nothing. They worked all night. They labored hard. They knew fishing very well, and yet they caught nothing. Now, we need to stop here and pause because we've been talking about putting on the boots of the gospel of peace, putting on the boots of the good news of peace. God wants us to walk in peace. And in Ephesians 6.10, we read, uh, 6.14, sorry, we'll start at 6. In Ephesians 6.14, we read, Stand firm, therefore, having gird your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, to put on the gospel of peace, to put on the boots of the gospel of peace, you need to sit before you walk. Now, for some of us, if we're wearing uh, sandals or if we're wearing, uh, especially the flip-flops, you can kind of put them on without having to sit. But if you're going to put on boots that you strap on, what do you do before, especially like with shoes with this and laces? You sit down. And it's much easier to put on the shoes when you sit down. You can't put on the shoes if you're running. You can't put on the shoes even if you're walking. You can't put on these boots if you're in a rush. So immediately you have to slow down to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace we need to stop be still slow down you need to sit before you walk and this needs to be a pattern of your life that you sit before you walk all of our problems stem from walking before sitting and we're walking out without peace on our feet we're not walking in peace we're running to go fishing, and yet we haven't first stopped to listen. The book of Ephesians shows us this pattern, which Watchman Nee wrote a book on called Sit, Walk, Stand. And the pattern is, in the beginning of Ephesians, it tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and Paul is trying to frame our minds that we need to realize that we're seated with Christ. And so first we have to sit. And then as Ephesians goes on in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, it's all talking about walking. So out of sitting comes walking. And then once we get to Ephesians chapter 6 and then verse 10 and then onwards, it's telling us to stand. And that is a, that is a word of warfare. God is calling us to stand. Stand doesn't mean just standing still. It means standing strong in the battle and not falling down in the battle. And the thing that God's put on my heart during this season is he's been, uh, the Father's been speaking to, me, speaking to me, teach my children to fight. Teach my people to fight. It begins with us learning to sit. Put on the boots of the gospel of peace. Walter Adams, who was a friend of C.S. Lewis, said this, 
To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances us. I'll say that again. This is Walter Adams. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances us. And then Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom says this. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And my pastor used to say, say it like this. Well, if, he, if, um, if the devil can't make you stop, he'll make you put the pedal to the metal, like a racing term. Just really go as fast as you can. But the Lord wants us to walk in peace. Busyness usually has the same effect as sin. It leaves you disconnected to God. This is why I, sometimes it's a be hard to get a hold of me because I take my phone and I put it in the other room. And then when I'm working, I might, I'll have it. But I take my phone off and put it in the other room just so that I have had to learn that if I'm going to walk with Jesus, I can't be so... So busy and anxious and worried and answering everything, I need to cultivate communion with God. Yesterday, I went to Chermside. You know the Chermside Shopping Center? Uh, Sergio, if you don't know about it, you'll know about it soon. Chermside Shopping Center. Sergio and his dear wife have just moved up from New South Wales. I mean, of course, New South Wales has much better shopping centers than we do. <laughs> but we've got the term site is a quite, quite a busy one. And everybody's out there on a Saturday. Usually on the Saturday afternoon, I'm not at term site. I'm just resting and just preparing myself to minister. But yesterday I was at a cafe. We had lunch together. We had a free meal. That's always nice. You get a free meal. And um, due to uh, getting a lot of points. Anyway, let me go on. <laughs> motto, motto. A free advertisement from Motto, motto. <laughs> and Valerie loves the ramen noodles there. Well, I was sitting at a cafe after that and reading. And I asked the Lord to be with me. I wanted to commune with him in the busyness and the sounds of the, the marketplace. And as I was looking around, I saw that everybody was fishing. Everybody was fishing for something. Men were fishing for women. Women were fishing for men. People were fishing for one another. Human beings were looking for the best catch of food at the restaurant or ca cafe. They were looking for, they were fishing for experiences. They were fishing for products. Everybody was fishing for something. And I see in life everybody's fishing for something. A new house, a new job, a new girl, a new guy, a new experience, a new church. People are fishing. We think that these things are going to give us happiness that these things are going to feed our soul, but they never do. 
Peter said, I am going fishing. And what he discovered as he fished all night is he caught nothing. He caught nothing. This brings us to the second point here. Out of this nothingness, out of this despair, out of this hard work, out of this exhaustion, Jesus says to Peter, children, you do not have any fish, do you? Children, you do not have any fish, do you? Well, the first word Jesus says there is children, and he's speaking from the shore, and he's speaking out into their world of fishing, and he's calling to them. Last week, we were at Chermside again, and it was Eva's birthday, and we had, and Allie's birthday the next day, and we had a beautiful time together as a family, and we were walking, and Eva had her arm around me, and I had a, my arm around her, and I was very proud of Eva singing here today. And she's been very brave with her broken arm there. And we were walking, and I said something about kids, and Eva said to me, you're, you're a kid too, you're, you're uh, a child too, you're a kid. I said, all of a sudden, I had my mask on because I was a little bit sick then, and I said really loudly, I'm a kid, I'm 45 years old, how am I a kid? You know, and she said, you're a child of God. <laughs> and to all of us, and for all of us, we are all children. Now, this word here in the Greek that's used for children is meaning a, a real child, like a little infant. It can mean an infant. Often it's used for an infant up to about seven, eight years old. This is, he's talking about children, and he's speaking to the disciples that are grown men, that are skilled at fishing. They know what they're doing. I mean, you don't want to bother them in the area of fishing. That's the one thing they really know a lot about. <laughs> That's their livelihood. And yet, Jesus calls out to them and calls them children. And us realizing that we are children, not grown-ups who are skilled and know everything and are powerful, but us realizing that we are children of our Father is the beginning of us coming into shalom, and wholeness, because this story is all about teaching us how we can come into that place of shalom. And also, we're going to see it, it will teach us how we can put on the boots of the gospel of peace, the gospel of shalom. How do we do that? Well, we first have to realize that we're children. And this is the first of the four sayings of Jesus during his breakfast at the beach with his disciples, because this is all leading to breakfast with Jesus at the beach. But how are they going to have breakfast when they have no fish? That's a good question. We'll get to that. So Jesus questions them to show them the futility and the worthlessness of doing things their own way. Children, you don't have any fish, do you? When we do things our own way, when the I is first, I am going fishing. When the I is first, when we, and this is not even a bad thing to go fishing, but what, is, what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples is his way, and his way is, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
It's what Paul talked about. What is this church about? We're about making disciples of Jesus. That's the heart of what God has called us to do. It's about making disciples of Jesus. And then you being equipped and empowered to make disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is trying to teach his disciples here how to live in a different way. They were very disoriented after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And we'll talk about that soon. But Jesus is asking them this question so that they would realize their poverty without him, that they would realize that without him, they can do nothing. And they have nothing here. Now, it's easy for us to fall back into old patterns, things that Jesus himself has called us out of. Jesus had called the disciples out of this just fishing physically. He had called them to a higher level of fishing, the fishing of his kingdom. For Peter and his disciples, the old way was to go back to fishing. Now, if you go fishing today, this is not a sin. We're not talking about this. We're talking about a different way of living. So I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying here. Jesus asks questions to draw us closer to him, and he asks them this question, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And like I said before, this whole account is about Jesus restoring shalom, his peace and purpose back to his disciples. Because through the crucifixion and the resurrection, they were totally disoriented. They didn't know what to do. Jesus said, follow me to his disciples back in the early uh, story of the gospel. And they followed him. But following Jesus for them meant being with him. Seeing him physically, touching him physically, uh, hearing the audible words he spoke. How are they going to follow him now? And so last week we saw they were shut in a room. The door was locked for fear of the Jews. And Jesus breaks into, walks right through the door, breaks into their fear and says, Shalom lachem. Peace be with you. And his whole goal is to restore shalom to his disciples, but this process of restoring shalom takes time. It doesn't just happen in one instant. instance. Here in this story, Jesus is still trying to restore that shalom. They have lost their purpose. The disciples at this point have lost their purpose. They do not know how to follow Jesus after his resurrection because they needed to follow him in a new way. And for all of us, we have to learn how to follow Jesus in this new way. The great thing about the resurrection of Jesus is Jesus has risen from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is good news. This means because Jesus has been resurrected and glorified, he can speak to each one of you personally. Each, he can speak to each one of your hearts. He can lead you and guide you and feed you every day. He is more than able to feed you every day. He is more than able to speak to you every day. He is more than able to give you those boots of the gospel of peace every day. And he says, son, daughter, child, put them on. 
because you are called to carry my peace into this world. And at this point in the story where they have no feet, peace, uh, sorry, where they have no fish, <laughs> where they have no fish, they have no peace. There's no peace because they have no fish and they've been working all night. Think of how stressed you would be. And sometimes they probably pulled something up, but it was garbage. You know how you do that when you're fishing? You might pull something up. Oh, a catfish. Can't have this. Throw it back. Or some other ugly thing. Ugh, what is this thing? Have you ever seen some of these, these fish now that they're pulling up out of the deep sea? They look like they're from another dimension. And they pull out this thing. Oh, we, that's, no, that's nothing we can eat. And they threw it back. In the end, they didn't have anything. The disciples were used to following Jesus in the flesh. Now Jesus was calling them to follow him in a higher and new way. And what has drawn me to this passage and one of the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me is I know that COVID-19 and the pandemic has disoriented Jesus' disciples. I know that COVID-19 and the pandemic has disoriented Jesus' disciples. I wish it wasn't so, so, but it has been. Often new things will change us, or new things and changes will disorient us. And let me be clear to everyone that the calling of Jesus has not changed. His purpose for your life has not changed. You don't need to seek him for new direction. The disciples here didn't have to seek Jesus for new direction. They needed to remember the original purpose and call. And it's the same for all of us, but all of us will uh, flesh it out in a unique way. But the, this, we all have the same purpose as Jesus' disciples, and we're going to see this. So, so during this disorientation, during this dis darkness, you need to go back to your original blueprint, your original calling. We've been talking about that at Bible school. We've been writing our life blueprint, but in a, in a way that's different from what the world would do. For most of us, Jesus already has revealed what he wants us to do. It's about remembering. And this whole story here is about remembering because what Jesus does in this event is the same thing he did when the disciples started out. They were able to haul in this miraculous catch of fish. Well, we're going to read that this happened at the beginning when they were called. So he is reminding them of what he originally called them to through this event and through this miracle. And you have to realize, we all have to realize that your endeavors, our endeavors will be fruitless unless Jesus leads us and unless he speaks to us. So like we said before, Jesus comes into our world to pull us out of our world into his world. So he came into their world of fishing to pull them out of that whole 
kind of basic, everyday, I'm a mere person attitude into a whole new kingdom way of living where these disciples were called to be fishers of men. And to be a fisher of men or to be a fisher of people means to fish for disciples. And it was all about discipleship and it was all about the kingdom. That's what the kingdom is about. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Turn over to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And here we see the same kind of thing happening. We're going to read Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. This is the same place. It has different names. Sea of Galilee is the most well-known name of this lake or sea. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, now notice how Jesus first spoke the word of God. He, spoke, he first talked about the Word of God. He first shared the Word of God. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. And their nets began to break so that they signaled to their partners in, a, in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And this is what Jesus was reminding them. They were to leave everything to follow him for the purpose of catching men, which all meant in coded language, making disciples. Jesus has called us to catch people into his kingdom, but not to just catch and release. You know how sometimes when people fish, they'll catch a fish, and then it may be too small or something, and so they, they release it back in. Well, people do that in fishing, but in the kingdom, we catch people in order to keep them, and the keeping has to do with teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has taught. Living in that way.
It's interesting here in this story that Jesus first taught the word of God and then the catch came. He first spoke the word of God and then the catch came. Then the souls were brought in or the provision You can see it as God's supernatural provision. Then the provision came. And so here we see the whole principle that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So as they sought first the kingdom, as they put the word of God first and listened, then came the the great catch. But before they could have this great catch. We see here in this question, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. Say with me, no. We must hear the no to our own ways and plans. Before we ever hear the yes, we must hear the no to our own ways and plans and the no to our self-life. We've been asking this question at Bible school, who am I, who am I? It's a question we've been asking, and Paul knew who he was. He also knew who he wasn't. He said, I am crucified with Christ. So the I had to die. Are you with me? I am crucified with Christ. This is the only way we can live and walk and follow the resurrected Jesus. I am crucified with Christ. Have you allowed the cross to be applied to your self-life, to your fishing? What are you fishing for? Everybody's fishing for something. But have you allowed the cross to be applied to your self-life so you are not fishing for yourself anymore, the whole purpose of your life and being is to be a fisher of men and women, be fishing them into the kingdom, catching them. And this all comes with us being children first. Yes, Patrick. Maybe it's just speak closer to the... Uh, He's my favorite pastor for the last six years. He has grown me from a small little baby into who I am now. He's responsible for that too. Thanks, Pastor. This morning, I woke up groggy, still groggy. I wrote down what the Lord spoke to me. And he said, the meaning of life is to have a relationship with God. And from that perspective, all puzzles fall into place. So the meaning of life is to have a relationship with God. And from that perspective, all puzzles fall into place. Amen. Amen, Patrick. Good word. Well, we're almost finished here. This brings us to the third point. But the, the other points are going to flow a lot faster. And this is the second thing that Jesus said. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find the catch. Cast the net on the right side or the right-hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. Jesus calls them to cast. And of course, it was easy for them to say, well, we did this all night. There's no fish out here. But Jesus was there now. 
And it's Jesus that makes the difference. And it's, it's Jesus that provides. So what's the lesson in these words? Well, it could be summed up in John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. The catch that Jesus is ultimately about is the catch of disciples. We talked about that. You can find that in Matthew 4.19, Mark chapter 1, verse 17, and Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. I'll read that. I'll read Matthew 4.19 to you. Because if you want to know what we're all about, why we're here, why we do what we do, it's all about this verse. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. <clears throat> we can never get to the place of catching people for the kingdom if we don't follow him. The first part is so critical. The first part is, is everything. Follow me. And you can follow Jesus even though you don't see him with your natural eyes, even though you don't hear an audible voice. You can still follow Jesus. So how? How do you do that? We'll look at that in a second, but it's just a simple answer. We'll see. There's no fruit, no harvest, no catch apart from Jesus' words. The secret to fruitfulness is listening to Jesus. That's the secret. Learning to hear his voice, listening to him, his whispers, listening to him speak to your heart, listening to him through the written word because we know that the written word is tried and true. And so you're going to have the greatest catch when you open up the scriptures. When you open up the scriptures, see it like the Sea of Galilee. In here is some great fish for you to fish out to feed your soul. But you need that patience. And you'll be able to draw out life from the Word of God. So you should see that when you're opening up the Bible, all of a sudden this water is pouring out. <laughs> you put it down. You get out your journal. Okay, I'm fishing. <laughs> but with you, Jesus, you speak. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And he's going to feed you. We're not just hearing now with our physical ears, but with our spiritual ears. And we hear with the one purpose of doing. That is, I think that's the great issue in the church today, is that we're hearing lots of stuff, but we're not doing. And we got to be those who do. And that's what the March challenge was about, us. And it's, March is almost over. And I've, <laughs> yeah, keep going after March. It's meant to flow on, on and on. It's about hearing Jesus and doing what he says and writing it down and taking it seriously. This is a year all about us hearing and doing the word of God. And since Christ has risen from the dead, like I said before, he can speak to each and every believer. 
you'll find true fruitfulness in your life when you stop, sit down, and listen to Jesus. So remember what we said before? Put on these boots of the gospel of peace. We need to stop. We need to listen. And as we're doing that, it's as if we are putting on the boots of the gospel of peace. We, but it begins with us stopping. It begins with us listening. Back in the day, they didn't have chairs. They sat on the floor. To sit on the floor was what it was. What it was meant to be a disciple was pictured in sitting. And we see Mary, instead of rushing here and there and trying to host Jesus, she just sits at his feet and listens to his words. That is where the power comes from. Because once we listen, then we know what he wants us to do. There's many needs in this world. There's many things, but what does he specifically want you to do? And it comes from listening to him. This is where the great catch of fish came from. Jesus said, cast your net on the right-hand side. And when they listened to his voice, which meant doing the word of God, when they put that into practice, there was a great catch of fish. And you can apply this many ways. God's supernatural provision for your life. God's blessing. But more than anything, well, how we need to apply it to our lives is we are longing for a harvest of souls. And not just people saying, raising their hands and saying, uh, I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart. Well, that's a good beginning. But to catch souls means that they are growing in Christ. They're getting their roots down in Christ. They're becoming like Jesus. And so because they're becoming like Jesus, they're able to multiply. The whole purpose of the catching of fish is for disciples to be made. And a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. It's an apprentice. An apprentice of Jesus. It's a learner, someone who just immerses themselves in Jesus' life. And so their whole desire every day is to follow Jesus. And when they go to work, the whole purpose is, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And so it's this whole attitude of waiting on the Lord and listening to God all throughout your day. We are not going to find fruitfulness in our own busyness, in our own hustle, in our own activity. We will find fruitfulness in listening to Jesus' voice. And doing what he says. And this is how peace, this is how shalom is restored to the, to the disciples because now they have 153 fish. In math, that 153 is a very amazing number. You can look it up. They call, the mathematicians call the number 153 the magic number. Not because there's spooky magic type of things. It's just it's in mathematics. Going back in mathematic, mathematical books, 153 is a very interesting number because you can take 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8 plus 9 plus 10 plus 11 plus 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15 plus 16 plus 17, and that equals 153. It's a triangular number where you could take 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and as you go down, it creates a perfect triangle, 153. And there's more interesting things about 
153, but I don't have time to get into it all. <laughs> but hey, Jesus, he is the great mathematician. I believe ultimately it's a sign pointing to all nations, bringing all nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language into the kingdom. Well, we're almost finished here. Four. The third thing that Jesus said was bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Whatever you receive from Jesus, you need to bring it to Jesus. The whole purpose of God's blessing is to bring us to Jesus. But a lot of times people catch things and then they run away from Jesus. Oh, I got my wife. <laughs> oh, I got my child. Oh, I got the money. I got the job I want. And they're running away rather than bring the fish to me. Because this is how the fish is going to be healthy and whole. This is how the blessing is going to really feed the soul. How do we bring our blessings to Jesus? Well, through thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. I bring this to you. These are yours. You empowered the catch, and I'm going to honor you and worship you with this catch. As Jesus' disciples, we don't take and catch and run away from Jesus. It's all about drawing near to him. And what I see in this passage it's, is it's teaching us about Psalm 127. Do you know what Psalm 127 is? I'll read it to you here. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives to his beloved sleep. We, as a church, it's not going to be our own kind of hurry and hustle that is going to build this church. It's going to be us listening to Jesus and doing what he says. And when we do that, guess what? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We do not have to be so worried. God will build his church unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Lest the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Many people are just stressed by money and earning, and they have to get this and that. They, they're rising up early. They're, they're hesitating to go to sleep. They're getting, their pain, they're getting their bread through painful labors. When God wants them to enter into his rest. He wants all of us to enter into his rest. A different way of living. A different way of living. Living like Jesus. And then it goes on to say, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. And the children that it speaks of here, I believe, are twofold. You have your physical children, but you also have spiritual children. Everybody could have quote-unquote, spiritual children, which are disciples. The only warning I would give is don't be, if you are discipling somebody, don't lord it over their life. 
Don't try to control them, but try to help them and lift them up. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Amen. We catch disciples as we listen to Jesus. This brings me to the last point, five. This is the fourth thing that Jesus said. Come and have breakfast. Do you know that's what we're doing this morning? Did you realize that's what we're doing this morning? We're coming to Jesus and we're having breakfast with Jesus. And this is the secret of true fruitful ministry. It's breakfast with Jesus every day. And everybody can do it. And we need to slow down enough that we have time to do it. And I'm not telling you how long the breakfast should be. Oh, your breakfast should be three hours long. Well, that's a long breakfast. (laughs) But it's time to spend with Jesus. And this whole story is about Jesus pulling them out. He's catching his disciples again. And interestingly, he's revealing himself to the disciples. There's only seven of them there. One of the greatest revelations of Jesus in Scripture, and there's only seven disciples there. And so here we should not get too sad when there's not many disciples. Jesus saw just seven. Where were the others? Well, we know what happened with Judas, but there were some others missing. There's only seven. You can count them. And he still works and does miracles. And even though there may be a few, my heart always is, I'm looking for those who are hungry. I'm looking for those who are thirsty. I am not impressed by the crowds. I am really not impressed by crowds. But what I am impressed by is someone says, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to hear him. I want to do what he says. That is how the revolution of the kingdom takes place. Come and have breakfast. This is the secret to being a disciple. Daily breakfast with Jesus. You're spending time with him. And and this is a beautiful picture here. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And before that, we read in verse 9, So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, a fish placed on it, and bread. I like uh, when we were going back to New York and visiting Long Island, and as we, would be, as we were driving in the car, you could, at that time, of the, that time of year, around May, where we went, you could smell all the charcoal barbecues in the air. It's a different smell than you usually find here, though sometimes in Australia I can smell, oh, there's a charcoal barbecue going. Here's a charcoal fire. It's a barbecue breakfast with Jesus. There's fish already there. So it's not just the fish that they caught. (laughs) Jesus already has fish there. And there's already bread. Then he says, hey, take what you caught and bring that to me. Every disciple we catch, we bring them to Jesus. The Jesus property. 
morning by morning, Jesus wants to feed you. And this feeding happens as you listen to his voice and draw near to him. Again, that's what the March challenge was about. And let us continue to do that every day, even if it's not in the form of a challenge, to challenge ourselves to come to Jesus every day and have breakfast with Jesus. There's many up and downs in life. There's many things that happen. I do not want to paint the picture that everything is going to be roses. Sometimes it's thorns. But there's nothing greater than breakfast with Jesus. Starting off each day with Jesus and his fresh hot bread, hot coals, hot fire, and eating with him. Communion, that's what communion is all about, eating with him. And he gives you strength and he speaks to you. Hallelujah. So let's all stand. And soon we're going to pray for Christina. Let's all stand. And remember the four things that Jesus said, just the first words. He said, children. He said, cast. After they caught this great haul of fish, he said, bring. Then he said, come. And these words teach us how to follow the resurrected Jesus. And let us remember that they put this into practice, especially on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Spirit, and 3,000 people came into the kingdom. That was a big catch. That was a catch because they listened to Jesus to wait and be filled with the Spirit, and then they spoke out of the fullness of the Spirit. And that brought in this great catch. And there's a great catch that happens all throughout the Acts of the Apostles because the disciples put this into practice, what they learned here at the beach. So I hope you have been to the beach this morning, even though we're in a park. I picture that we're in a beach. The waves are gently lapping against the shore. And there's the fire and the barbecue with some fish and bread on it. And there's Jesus. And he's saying, I want to feed you. I want to teach you my way. I want you to slow down. Put on the gospel of peace, the boots of the gospel of peace on your feet. Put on that shalom. I want you to walk in my shalom. And then the, that shalom only comes from me. And that shalom only comes from my presence and my word. There's no other place. So, Father, here we are. Here are your hungry disciples. Thank you, Jesus. Would you teach us this way of life? Would you empower us to walk this way? Would you help us put on our feet the shoes of the gospel of peace? May you teach us to slow down, that it's not our works, but it's your work that matters. Lord, I pray that we live like this every day. Every week we would live like this. Where we're not living like this, bring that gentle correction to us. But oh, Lord, would you would awake, awake your people. Awake us.
because we're longing for you and you're coming. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, worship, just spend time allowing the Lord to minister our, to our heart. And then after that, we're going to get Christina up here. We're going to lay hands on her as a church and bless her. And Christina, we have a gift for you as a church too. And it's her, her last Sunday with us, so we want to speak a blessing over her. And we'll do that. But let's just spend some time responding to the Lord for a few minutes before, before that happens.